This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, Washington football fans? Welcome to the Birdie Network Podcast Week 1 Preview Episode. As always, I'm Josh Taylor with Brian Murphy. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's blow-the-bell grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Today is a special episode. Like I said, this is the Week 1 Preview Show. It is time for some football. (laughs) Finally, we have waited for so long. Like Brian says every week, you can feel it in his voice. It is time for some football. And on today's episode, you can call him Adam Aniba. I call him the next Adam Schefter because this guy <laughs> is just grinding. Adam, welcome to the show, man. Hey, appreciate it. It's always great uh, chopping it up with you, bro. Awesome. Like I said, you know, you're a busy man. You've been on a lot of shows. Um, so definitely keep up with Adam's work. Appreciate you coming on. But it's, it's finally time for some football, Brian. You know, going into it, we're going to hop right into the week one preview for the Philadelphia Eagles, give you everything that you need to know, what to watch for in our predictions to the show. So, Brian, right off the bat, um, I just want to talk a little bit about the depth chart. There's not going to be too much weight to it. Uh, we kind of talked about it today. Do you really pay attention to the depth chart, or do you think, you know, we're going to be doing some rotations and stuff like that? How did you feel about the first depth chart? Yeah, this is going to sound silly. I think the depth chart is just an indicator of who's going to start, right? Like, that sounds silly to say, but I think there's going to be so much rotation, especially with the running backs and the linebackers, and I even think with the defensive backs, that while it's a a good tool to have, it's a good indicator, I think there's just going to be so much rotation uh, that it's going to kind of go out the window once the game gets going and once the season gets going, really. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple surprises to us. Adam, what was the biggest one that kind of stood out to you? Well, thank I, everyone's got to say AP, but, <clears throat> you know, I think once you can get past that and understand, you know, the system, because what happened is as much as it was a surprise to me, because I actually wrote an article about them actually keeping five running backs, which I've never even kept four for, you know, a, a roster prediction. Um, so when I went back and watched the last four Carolina games and then the news came out, it kind of made, made a lot more sense to me. I understand why they're for doing sure. it. People were like, well, you know, Alex Smith could have been a spot. It's not about a spot. It's about carries. It's about taking carries away from other people. So in the end, that wasn't as much as a surprise when I actually, you know, put two and two together. But the fact to have all seven draft picks make it, that was the biggest surprise to me. Because the back end guys, 
I had them penciled in great guys, but I had them as practice squad. So that's that definitely the biggest surprise. That that's it. That speaks progress right there. Yeah, and you know, talking about the running backs, I think you know JD McKissick kind of getting that running back one label on the depth chart kind of stood out to me. Um, but do you think you know he will be a true running back one and get the most carries? Because, you know, we talked about Antonio Gibson. He got, you know, it's kind of 50-50 in Memphis with receiving uh, little catches and then just actual rushes. Do you think he's going to play more of a true running back role, or do you think we even have that on the team? Yeah, no, we have it. Um, what's getting, it it's a running back by committee, but it's also going to be, I, I am predicting at least through the first two weeks, there's going to be more passes than runs because just the way this offensive line is built, just the way, you know, they're constructing it right now, they don't have that stud to go on the other side of McLaurin, in my opinion. So it kind of forces them to, you know, be a little innovative. And we, you and me, we've talked about innovation and having two back t- backs in the backfield simultaneously. It's kind of irrelevant now who's mm-hmm. going to be the starter or not. Um, the question is, you know, I was hearing on other podcasts, is it going to be more touches or more snaps? Who determines who's the true bell cow? I think as fans, we need to start getting away from that. Um, I think more and more teams now, you know, are going with multiple backs like Washington will. So I think Gibson will eventually rise from that. I actually think <clears throat> I'm a little surprised because I, I still had him. You and me were talking. I thought he was more receiver built. I thought he'd still be at that running back, but really more of a receiver side. But I think we're going to see a closer 50-50 split with him. And as it goes on, he has the body to really run between the tackles. Miss McKissick. I, I don't see it. Love, I do. So I think love we got to give a couple weeks to, and I think that's another reason they kept Barber because he's another one that can uh, go between the tackles, give you you know five, six carries a game on short yardage. But it's going to be constant changing depending on matchup, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think Scott Turner is going to do a good job of mixing it up and maybe getting a couple of those guys out there on the field at the same time. So like you're saying, I, I don't know that snap numbers, carry numbers is really going to matter. I think it's going to be where they're used and how effectively Scott Turner gets them out there. Uh, you know, I watched a little bit just to see the motion. Uh, I watched a little bit of Carolina just to see the motion, and it was crazy to see the receiver come out of the backfield, you know, out wide, the receiver coming from out wide into the backfield. I think Gibson and McKissick are going to be perfect for that. And uh, like you said, the, the numbers, you know, they'll even out eventually. It's just going to be how they're touching the ball and, and what they're doing and how Scott Turner schemes them up. So, yeah, I'm not real worried or, or – you know, cautious or anything like that with with Gibson, like uh, or or McKissick. Honestly, I think we're going to see a lot of both of them and and Barber and Love sprinkled in. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, that's the biggest question to me. You know, you know, not only is it a new season, but we have you know new players, new system, new coaches. What is the identity of this team? So, if you had to introduce this team as just like a short, brief introduction, what would you say this team's identity is going to be? I think it's going to be um, a, a passing team for the most part. I think, you know, think of some of the concepts that you saw at Ohio State, mix that in with, you know, um, Air Coriel, and, and, and now we're talking about the motion, CFL ball, you know, because a lot of teams run motions, but to run motions all the way up until the snap, you know, they're motioning guys uh, in Carolina, they're motioning Ian Thomas, their tight end in the backfield, playing fullback, H-back roles, and I wrote about that about Gibson. You know, a lot of people are getting caught up in a one role or even two roles of receiver. Don't be surprised. You see him play a little H-back, a little fullback in certain packages. Right now, he needs some work on his pass pro. So I think the best thing they can do right now is just get him out on space. And having, you know, two backs in will just basically give that um, that option where teams, if they decide to stack the box, they've got to commit to one side or the other. So I think 
that in the end, it's going to be whoever is the producer. It's not going to be something we'll see all year. Whoever, you know, uh, breaks away from the pack is, you know, the better runner, which I think is probably going to be, you know, Gibson. And I'm, I still have a lot of faith for love. Um, but in the end, you know, players like McKissick and Barber, to me, they're more kind of um, they're he- here in the now. Um, right now, uh, Love and Gibson are the future, in my opinion. So I think as the season goes on, those two guys will be your main guys. But McKissick, he's a great option as a receiver. So I think he's just going to give Turner some options on, you know, basically whatever defense that we face, you know, he can scheme it. There might be games where, you know, five weeks now, McKissick might be inactive depending on who they're playing. So mm-hmm. on offense, to me, it's, it's very unpredictable right now. All I can do is gather what I saw in Carolina, what I've seen, you know, in this offseason, which we haven't seen much. And we're all coming to, you know, basic, you know, guesses here. But I, I think it's going to be exciting. It's not going to be smash mouth football like we're used to. Yeah. yeah this... I don't... Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, I don't think so either. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of short, quick passes for some of those guys out of the backfield. And that's almost going to be your running game. I think, yeah. you know, we've seen teams do that a lot to where those short passes underneath can turn into the Patriots. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, why not? If, you know, if it works, use it. And I think a, a lot of those guys are suited to do that. And then hopefully when, when you bite up on those short passing games, you're able to take a couple shots downfield and let Haskins show off his arm every now and then. I think that's going to help Haskins, honestly. Those short passes, those passes out to a running back, let him get a couple completions under his belt, get some confidence. I think it'll, it'll be key, uh, especially when you don't have as many playmakers out wide. Uh, to go with McLaurin. I think it, it'll be key to, to get some of those running backs the ball and get, get uh, some momentum and, and things rolling early. Yeah, I keep think it's going to be a – go ahead. I was just going to say, sorry, keep this in mind. <clears throat> in Carolina, uh, the last four games um, when Turner took over, Kyle Allen had probably arguably one of the worst offensive lines in football. The fact that um, McCaffrey was able to do what he did, to me, is amazing because it's such a bad line. So – what he really installed is moving that pocket and getting that quarterback out in space. And as I've said on, you know, I was on a couple shows um, earlier in the week, and I said, look for Dwayne Haskins to actually surprise people with some, you know, substantial rushing yards this year. And I have him, you know, in the finish, finishing up, you know, right under the 500 mark, which is going to surprise some. But in four weeks, what I saw Kyle Allen do, I'm telling you, that has everything to do with Haskins being told to trim down his weight. The off-season regiment you're seeing, it's not all showing off, you know, his abs, this and that. There was a purpose to it. Yeah. It's just the purpose of everything is being kept close to the vest, which I like what they're doing. But all of this is basically to help a bad offensive line and a young quarterback. So they're just going to continue to move that pocket. Like like man said, short passing game is going to be as good as runs. So I think for every run, you're going to see two passes with them. Yeah, I agree with uh, Dwayne Haskins trimming down. I said that on the DC Tweet Team podcast. I expect him to run more. I expect him to be a little bit more explosive. You know, we, I mean, we saw some practice plays with him rolling some triple option, a lot right. more boots and stuff like that, just spreading the field out. And I think that's a huge advantage for us, not only with Haskins, but this new system of not knowing what to expect. I mean, the Eagles don't really know what we're going to come out with I mean you can kind of watch Carolina you can only do with so much I mean if you think about it in a fight you watch your opponents see what they do at their fighting style we had no preseason games I mean even fans don't really know what to expect out of this Washington team so it's going to be exciting um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some first down passes uh, Sims doing more runs out in the backfield like early in drive and stuff like that like he did in New England um, just stuff like that so taking a look at the injury report I think this is going to be key because I, I see a lot of mismatches here. 
And, you know, like we said, with there not being any preseason games, this is going from 0 to 100. There's going to be a lot more injuries this season, I'm predicting. Um, I mean, if you see it in college right now, if you've watched the first few games, the teams that weren't prepared are just getting smacked. I mean, Navy and BYU, they say they did no tackling getting ready for the game, and it showed. So going from just practice, you know, hitting each other, going to this Philadelphia game, they're already banged up. So that, to me, looking at the injury report, I mean, they're without Brooks and without Dillard on the O-line. We can talk about all day how good our D-line is and how they can eat against that. Outside of the offensive line and the defensive line, what kind of mismatches are you looking for for Washington to have the advantage, Brian? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how our defensive backs just kind of step up against a kind of a weaker wide receiver pool for, for the Eagles. I'm not sure who they're going to have out there. I think I've seen Jeffries banged up. Rieger's been banged up a little bit. So I'd love to see our, our, our defensive backs kind of steal their lunch a little bit. It'd be great to, to do that instead of having them burn us over the top for a change. Um, so I, I'd love to see our defensive backs kind of win that battle and uh, allow our pass rush to, to get home and, and, and just make it a difficult day throwing the ball around for Carson Wentz. Yeah, I mean, we're without Fuller. I I think we're going to be without Fuller. He was very limited just doing individual drills in practice. Um, and then Thomas Davis, he's been out of practice. I don't see him playing. So if Fuller is a no-go, Adam, who's the one guy that steps up to you uh, and fills in for Fuller? Moreland. Moreland. I think, I, I, I think Darby and Moreau are probably maybe a little higher as far as, you know, what the coaches want to do. I just don't see those guys being able to stay healthy. And everyone I've talked to says Moreland has just shined through camp. So personally, I think it would be Moreland. Um, I do think Fuller's going to play. Um, I, I've, I, you know, reached out to a couple people and everyone said is, yeah, he's limited, but he's probably going to, as long as he doesn't have a setback, he's going to give it a go. Um, so that should be interesting to me, the matchup to watch, it's, it's McLaurin and Slayton. That's oh, yeah. what everyone needs to watch right now because uh, he got eaten for lunch last year by McLaurin when we played Detroit. Um, so I think that that's the matchup of the game. And if, if they decide to start to shift their coverage towards him, that's when it's going to open up everything for the Redskins. So, uh, excuse me, Washington football team. Um, but I think that that's the matchup of the game for me. Yeah, I, I kind of went back and looked at some of the previous games when we played the Eagles. And to me, the the one way that we always lose is Ertz and passes up the middle. So, For you know, sure. we see potentially Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Sean Dion Hamilton um, starting out as linebackers, more of like the coverage linebackers. So to me, they have to step up right away. I mean, you're getting top competition with Zach Ertz, like I said. Rager might play. He might not be playing. I mean, to me, he's like day-to-day. Yeah. Um, but just getting killed over the middle. I mean, John Bostic last year and Cole Holcomb both got ate up terrible yep. against Philadelphia last year. So to me, yep. even if you can get to Carson Wentz, if he can get rid of the ball fast enough up the middle of the field and create big plays, he can still burn you all day long. I mean, Wentz is still a top 10 quarterback in the league regardless. That's who scares me, their tight ends. You know, just not Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard oh, yeah, is going to eventually play. Ertz is going to become expendable. I, he want, I think he's out there next year, and Goddard is – who they're going to invest in. But to me, that's the ones that I worry about in this game because I feel like if the pressure comes, they, he can just throw it up to them. You know, they're both 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guys. They're going to have the advantage on all our linebackers, pretty much in my opinion. They're going to have the linebackers even on our, uh, advantage on our safeties because Apke right now, he needs to show a lot more. And Collins, we want him closer to the line than in coverage. Um, but what it comes down to is 
getting to the quarterback is one thing. Sacks are one thing, but the pressures. And I think, although Lane Johnson, everyone says he's going to play, he's playing on a bum he's ankle. So you're talking yeah. about, yeah, so <laughs> he will play. So everything I'm hearing, they're already saying they're going to move around young. They're going to move around sweat. So you're going to see a lot of stunts in this game. You're going to see a lot of stuff up the middle. But you're going to see a lot of stuff where they're attacking the tackle. As soon as they have the first play where that tackle is going backwards too fast, they're going to attack it. I've seen Del Rio. Look at some of his Denver tape and some of these. He smells blood in the water. So, And I think Peters is a guy. He's coming in, and now he wants more money from them because he signed to play guard. But I think that's the one you go after, if you ask me. And that's why this game and throughout the season, although I love Young, he's going to have a great impact. Montez Sweat is my guy. I think that's the guy that's going to have 13, 14 sacks for the year. And I think this is a matchup right now where – if Carson Wentz is going to – they're going to move him out of the pocket. There's no doubt about that with, uh, with the issues they have on the line. So the question would be who we're going to have a spy. Uh, as of now, Cole Holcomb is not a starter. Personally, I would have liked him or Sean Dion Hamilton being a spy for, for Wentz. But uh, we'll see what happens. But they have to have a spy. You know, when, uh, when we go against quarterbacks in the East, Dak, Jones, all of them, they need to have a spy on them because these quarterbacks can move. Sean John Hamilton got a lot of that when we had to play Watson. It <laughs> seemed like every year uh, when he was at Alabama. So uh, no doubt he could do it. But you brought up a good point um, talking about the D-line. Brian, I want to ask you something I literally just thought about. You know, with Jonathan Allen getting banged up, um, what was it, like last week, he was full at practice. But do you think we allow that depth on our D-line to kind of rotate him in? Or do you think we just throw him full out there first game of the season? And if he gets hurt, then so be it. No, I think you gotta be, you got to be smart, and I think you got to be smart with Kendall Fuller, too. I, I think Kendall Fuller's going to give it a go as well, but if you see him slowing down or whatever, you got to think about the whole season. you got to think Agreed. about, you know, uh, this is a division game. It'd be nice to get off to a hot start, all that, but you also got to think that you have 16 games. So I, I do think they're going to uh, let some of that depth roll in there. I think you feel pretty good about Tim Settle coming in. Um, if, you know, John Allen or any of those guys needs to roll out. I think that was the issue a couple of years ago. We, we, those guys played too much, and it, it wore them down by the end of the year. They were dominating to begin the year, but no depth. And now that you have depth, you got to use it. And so that's why, again, going back to the depth chart and who's the starter and all that, I think we're going to see all these guys, especially in that front seven. You mentioned Cole Hol- Holcomb. I think he's going to be out there a whole lot just because he's listed with the twos. Um, you know, might not you know, it might mean something, it might not, but I think we're going to see a whole lot of these guys. And, and like you said, you know, if John Allen is banged up a little bit or he's, you know, he's favoring it or a bit, you know, bring him out and let a, a fresh guy come in. That, that'll that be key all year long. I think you've built up so much depth and you've built up, put so much stock into that that you got to be willing to trust it now. Yeah, and, you know, Adam, you kind of talked about this a little earlier, but this is something I had done in my notes. This is one matchup that can go really, really bad for us, and that's Troy Abke versus Deshaun Jackson. I mean, I think the last two seasons against us, he's averaged, like, well over 100 yards, and he just killed us deep. What kind of formula do you have if you're Jack Del Rio to help out a young Abke who has, you know, quote-unquote bad angles he might be better this season we still don't know what to expect out of him but what kind of formula do you have to help Abke out for Deshaun Jackson really what I'm hoping we're going to see I've seen it from this team in years past I saw it in Greg Williams I saw it um, in the Giants defense when Spagnola was there is the three safety set is this Cobra set and I'm hearing I'm surprised with Curl because Curl was the one guy actually was like no way he's going to make this team but apparently He's really worked. I, when I watch his tape in college, I always, my knock was him is don't put him don't put him deep. And apparently he's got a lot better with that. 
So between him and DeShazer, DeShazer Everett, I think you're going to see them getting in in some packages because I just, right now as it stands, the way that they're kind of banged up, I think they will trust Darby and Moreau and all that. But they're all, from what I understand, they're all pretty much banged up right now. Even Darby has a little, it's just old injury, so they're not going to list it. And Moreland, was it Moreland, Stroman, and Danny Johnson are truly the only pure healthy corners. So I think that they're going to need a little help by maybe having an extra safety. But I think when they start to get going and, you know, hopefully we can get they can start to get healthy, they'll be able to, you know, do more shift coverages for guys like Deshaun Jackson. But um, I guess I'm just not anticipating him to have the same kind of games that he has in the past because I know he's still quick. He's still got the moves. But I think, you know, he's older and I think we'll be able to do some things with him at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I think compared to years past, they're going to be a lot more physical. And to me, that that's the key right there is being physical with him at the line of scrimmage. And I think I, I trust Jack Del Rio a lot more than I trust Greg Minuski. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. So I think I, I, I oh, feel yeah. like Jack Del Rio's got a plan in place where I feel like Greg Minuski was walking out there looking at the offense for the first time on Sunday. So I feel like, like you're saying, I feel a lot better about Jack Del Rio coming up with a plan, not letting something like that, you know, leak through the cracks. Right. Right. Yeah, and Cameron Curl's grown on me a lot. I mean, you know, even though he was in the SEC, I didn't watch him a whole bunch. So going back, he has a really good length. I think that's what helps him get turnovers. Yeah. His reach, yeah. his arm length. I mean, he's probably like, what, 6'2", somewhere in that taller range as a safety. But his wingspan and his frame, it's exactly what you want. And like I said, he, he seems like he's gotten better uh, going deep. So I think he's a guy you can put a little bit of weight into. Obviously, he's still a seventh-round pick coming into it. But someone that could definitely create some turnovers and uh, help us out. It's third and long. The quarterback's got to shave some yards off here to have any chance to score. Let's see what he does. He drops back. He has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom! He's nicked in the sack. It's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's going to hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the lawnmower 3.0 offense to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe, clean cut up the sideline with the cutting-edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. He would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0. There is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches. Grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code BNP20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire cart with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt the result will be a touchdown. So Adam, next segment, this one's called Burgundy and Bold. So what we're going to do is me and Brian's going to take some turns, throw out some uh, things that could possibly happen on Sunday against the Eagles. And if you think it's going to happen, you say burgundy. And if you think it's a little too bold, then you say bold. Okay, you ready? So burgundy and bold. I got it. Burgundy and bold. I'm bold. <laughs> you got it. Got it. All right. So, Brian, go ahead with your first one. All right, my first one, Terry McLaurin leads the uh, both teams in receiving yards on Sunday. Is that Burgundy or Bold? Burgundy. Yeah, he's de- he's definitely going to have the best game out of everyone. I think he'll he'll get most do most of his damage in the first half too. 
All right, my first one was Dwayne Haskins has more all-purpose yards than Carson Wentz. Yes. Uh, uh, Burgundy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's a go. good one. Um, all right, so uh, no turnovers for Washington. Burgundy, or is that bold? Bold. I think, <laughs> I think, I think, bo- I think both teams have at, at least one turnover. It's yeah. just it's it's it with no preseason, nothing. Mistakes are going to happen. So I'm yeah, I think so too. At least a, a couple turnovers. Yeah, yeah. I think the key will be Haskins turnovers. You know his confidence early in the season, coming out. You know showing that he is a new guy. I think that's going to be the key thing. Um, so I will I, say, go ahead. So I was going to say I will say I think he's going to cut down tremendously. But yeah, I think you know early season rust one gets away from him or something like that. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I wouldn't sure. freak out at all. So my next one is Kerrigan gets at least one sack this Sunday, chipping away at that sack record. I'm Burgundy. Okay, you're calling it. Uh, Yeah, I like that uh, a lot. I think he's going to benefit from Chase Young. I think he's going to benefit from Montez Sweat, less snaps. Uh, I like that. I'm going to stick with sacks as well. Washington will sack Wentz five-plus times. Is that Burgundy or Bold? Mm. I'll give you five, five or more. <laughs> if it's five, uh, you get your money back. I yeah, say Burgundy. Exactly. I say I say Burgundy because I have him right around four and a half or four and a half five. Yeah, I don't have him going above that, but I st- I think it's going to be a huge day. But to go up at five, that that's that, that's like a Jacksonville day. So five or less. That's it. I have about a little over four and a half probably. Yeah, if we get five sacks, they better get a wheelchair that's- for once. Yeah, he's he's gonna be done. Yeah, he's gonna Here's- be done if we get him. They bring in Matt Sutfeld. That's right. I'm I'm, I'm Jalen Hurts. That- no, nah, he's third on the depth chart, but he's gonna play. He's gonna be on gadget plays. Watch out for him. He's gonna. Oh, they're yeah, gonna get sure. him in. They're gonna get him in. I think that uh, Jack Del Rio, like I, I feel like Carson Wentz always gets the ball out pretty quick, or at least right. you think you got him down. And he gets it away. I think Jack Del Rio is gonna try to confuse him a little bit, and that might lead to a sack or two, to where yeah. he thinks he's looking at one thing, and all of a sudden there's a guy there, and he has to hold on to it longer than he, he thought. And I hope that, that that front seven, you know, we, we've been talking about them a whole lot. They, they should have no excuses going up against a banged-up line. Yeah, we I saw some I... success with uh, Ryan Anderson, especially in that second game, getting the wins, causing some uh, strip sacks and stuff like that. I think there's definitely going to be some packages. I mean, we talked about NASCAR a couple of times, just all-out blitz. <laughs> you know they got a weak line. Just let them go. Just let, let everybody go straight at them. This is what I'm writing about right now. My article that's going to drop, uh, you know, hopefully before, shortly before game time or Saturday night is just about the defense. Because you know, I think as fans, a lot of people are just looking on paper and saying, you know, oh, they can just blitz everybody and do this. So I'm going to try to just break it down a little bit for, you know, our main players. We talked, you mentioned Tim Settle. He is one of my four to watch for the season. And I just think, um, you know, for the layman's fans out there, they don't really understand the main differences of the 4 3 3 4. I'm not going to really go into that, but what I'm just going to go into is some of the things that I project Del Rio to do against Philadelphia with some of their issues. But I think that this is just a great opportunity, not just for the divisional win, but this is a, just an opportunity to really just get on the map and be like, you know what? The offense is who knows, but this defense is for real. And I think at the end of this, they're going to show that the defense is going to be tough. You know, they're going to have a tough year, but this defensive line, I, I, I have a very hard time believing that they're going to get stonewalled. They're just, some of these guys are just too good, too fast, too big. So I think that, you know, it might be a little bit bold to some people in the national media that they could get five sacks, but I think there's no reason to think that two sacks come from, you know, from the outside on a corner safety blitz. And then the three others are going to come from coverage blitzes because I think that our corners will do enough to be able to hold those guys because without Alshon Jeffrey 
they're going to lack that receiver because he's done some damage on us to just throw it up and give it to him. They, they got a lot of small guys. So if we can keep that, keep the ball to the tight ends, they'll have a chance for sure. But um, I think that it's going to be a tough game, just like all the division games. Yeah, we don't have a Josh Norman to get burnt by Greg Ward right. anymore. Yes. I, just, I don't see it happening. I don't see. I see them keeping everything yeah. in front of them this week. I agree. So let's get down to predictions. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about like the key matchups and stuff like that. Brian, I'm gonna start with you. The game comes Sunday. What do you think happens? Are we looking for score here. Or are we just kind of overall what happens. Or if both? you had to, if you had to create a little recap page with a score and a headline, what does it say? I got you. I think that the Eagles unfortunately win a close one, and here's <sighs> why. I, I I hate to say it. I, I would love to to snap this six game losing streak to them, and that's part of it. I think that the that the Eagles uh, have more time together as a team, and I think that's going to be key here in the first few parts of the season. I think that the that Washington's going to surprise people. I really do. I'm not saying that as a homer, but I think eventually that they're going to get it going. I think Dwayne Hassens is going to quiet some haters and all that. But I think it's going to take some time, and that you, we got to remember no preseason, you know, no real game action for these guys. So I think a close one. I'd say a, a 28-24 win for the Eagles, and you know, but I think it's close all game long. I think it's kind of similar to last year's opener where you know maybe washington jumps out maybe it's it's close all game long and then philly pulls away late i just think that uh wentz will make a a crazy play or two like we think we have him down and and we don't um and they pull it out but but i think washington really challenges them i think they punch him in the mouth and i think they're going to show that hey this is a team to be reckoned with uh early on in the season yeah, that's a good prediction. Adam, what do you think? You agree or disagree? Yeah, I'll paint you the pitch. My my, my picture is they're going to come out strong, um, just like that last game, I think. Instead of Terry McLaurin with the big play in the B, and I think it's going to be Gibson. I think Gibson's just going to take one of those underneath passes and just take a home run. I think you're going to see a first half <clears throat> where we probably go up 14 nothing. I think what happens in the second half is they try to buckle down. They give up some yards, but I think in the end, Wentz goes down. That's my opinion. I think the pressure will get to him. He's just, they're just going to get him down. These guys are big. So, you know, forget about just hits. Sometimes just being on that bottom of that pile with these big guys. So I have him going down some part in the third quarter. And I think at that time, they'll bring in Sud, they'll, they'll try to do, um, you know, their games with the Oklahoma kid, Hurst. But I think in the end, they'll pull it out 2013, and the, the second half will just be like a defensive stand that we've been waiting for for the last, you know, 15, 20 years as, as fans, just to see a straight, them just shut them out in the fourth quarter. I think that's what we're going to see. 2013, Washington. Ooh. See, it's interesting because, like, we all three have completely different ways that this game can go. <laughs> I'm leaning more towards Adam. I hate to, I, I'm not trying to be a homer, but, like, I've legit just thought about this. I take a look. Sanders is banged up. Corey Clement, their backup's banged up. Alshon Jeffries banged up. Barnett's banged up. Lane Johnson's day-to-day. To me, there's just a lot that could happen, but I see it. Our defense just doesn't allow Philly to create any kind of a run game. And right. it allows Del Rio to really focus on Carson Wentz and what he can do on the outside and help the secondary out. Like you said, three safeties, just kind of flooding that secondary, backing up off the line a little bit and trusting your front four guys to do the work that they're going to do. Um, right. So that's what I see. I see them kind of taking a while, maybe some fast drives where, you know, incomplete pass or sack or pressures and stuff like that. And then I see our offense really just stretching the clock out. You know, running the ball, short passes like you talked about, just kind of burning that clock, kind of like a game manager mentality. 
Um, but I have this going 24-17 Washington simply because, like I said, our defense gets the Eagles off the field. They don't create much of a run game, and they just got too many injuries that are kind of concerning to me. Um, and I think our, our run game and you know our short passes and stuff like that opens up the deep ball to uh, Terry McLaurin. I think he gets a touchdown. I think Gibson gets a short touchdown. Um, and then I think Haskin runs one in um, near the goal line. So I have a 24-17 Washington. Like I said, three completely different <laughs> uh, predictions. But to me, I just I think there's too much that the Eagles are trying to figure out right now. I mean, they're talking contracts with Alshon Jeffrey. They're trying to trade him right before the game. Um, Lane Johnson wants more money. Peters wants more money. They're, to me, there's just too much going on. And like keep, said, this story, keep this storyline in mind. It, I didn't really think a, a, a lot about it until I started hearing more and more and more. Chase Young and Dwayne Haskins are real tight. They're actually a lot tighter than him and McLaurin. And apparently they were talking about this moment together at Ohio State a couple years back about them being in the NFL and to think that now they're going to be on the same field together. Don't underestimate that hype because, again, I'm not Ohio State fan. We're Alabama fans, but we know what college hype is. And I think these two guys, along with what they have going, I think that they're going to come out real strong. And I just think, like you said, you're catching Philadelphia – at a good time. If they are fully 100% healthy, I might be on the man's side. I might think, you know, they're just going to not get this one. But I think that having a lot of the unknown on offense and then having so much hype on defense, I just think it's just going to be too much for Philly to handle. That, look, in the end, that's what I think. Look, obviously, I hope you guys are, are totally right. <laughs> I think, obviously. I think come, coming to the second matchup between, between us and Philly, I'd be on your side. I just think – I think that this team is going to take a second to gel. I mean, all new coaches sure. all over the place, new new guys all over. But you're right. There is a lot of that surprise factor. What is Gibson going to do? We haven't even – we've barely touched on Steven Sims, who I think is going to have a huge role in huge this Huge year. No yeah, so you're right. I think that they could potentially catch him off guard. I'm just – I'm nervous that, that Philly has something up their sleeves. I think they it probably feels like they're a little more in disarray than they actually are. I mean – Please, please be in as much disarray as possible. But I, but I think Doug Peterson will have a couple of tricks of his own up his sleeve. I think it's going to be close the whole way. Don't don't make it. I don't want to make it seem like I think that Washington's going to get outgunned the entire no, no. time. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fun fun one, and I I can't wait to see. That's that's a good thing is that along with no preseason, along with all the craziness that 2020 has brought. I'm excited to see because we don't know what any team's really going to look like until they get out there on the field. Same with our guys, same with Philly, same with Dallas and New York and everybody across the league. So that's going to be kind of fun to watch. And, you know, I hope they, they prove me totally wrong. And you're, you're right. We're up two touchdowns in the beginning of the game. It, it, it would be awesome. Well, I'd be really three. interested to see how this, how this Kansas City comes out tonight, how they look. Oh. I really think that it's going to be a little bit of – you know, let's see how rusty some of these guys are. But I don't. I think that every team is going to be different. Like the man said, um, the Eagles—they're just such a well-coached team, and a lot of those guys are being together. So to me, that's just a huge factor. Um, but man, it's a division game, and anybody can win. We've we've seen it when when Dallas was at the top, we were at the worst. We upset them, vice versa. So when it comes to NFC East, anything could happen this Sunday. So you heard our predictions, so we want to hear yours. And I told y'all on Twitter we're doing a giveaway for Manscaped. When I drop this uh, episode on the tweet, I want you to reply to it with your predictions. I'll go ahead and put everything on Twitter. 
Give us your predictions. The first person to accurately predict it or come close to it uh, will win. And Adam, that goes for you too. I see the beard man. I'm not counting you out just because you're a guest. <laughs> I told Brian he's the beard of the show. I'm the baby face. I can't grow nothing. <laughs> but uh, like I said, just drop your predictions for a chance to win the perfect package from Manscaped. 100% worth it. Awesome products. Uh, but guys, if you're not fired up by now, like you need to check your pulse. Because I mean, right. just watching the Chiefs and the Texans play. I mean, it's finally football season. Where are y'all gonna be watching the game at? I, I'm, I'm, so I hate watching it in public. I, <laughs> I, I want to be by myself and watch it with, you know, either close friends or family. Yeah. Because I get too worked up, so I'll probably just end up staying at home and just kind of be, being chill, trying Lock to keep my emotions in check. <laughs> what about yeah, you? I'll, I'll, I'll be at home with my kids. Man, my kids love uh, Washington football, so. Yeah, you know, even last year we went out here and there, but it's like, uh, it's nothing like being home. Unless you got, you know, a couple years ago, a great sports bar. If you got a great, great sports bar, hey, whatever. But to me, it's just nothing like just chilling at home. Yeah, and I have a four-month-old daughter, so I can't wait to watch a Washington football game with her for the first time. It's going to be amazing on Sunday. They see how much you love it, and you talk about it enough like me. I got two, so you know both of them love it. But my nine-year-old, she's asking me when Sunday, so that's awesome. They'll be into it, man. If you raise them right, they'll be. Into it. <laughs> she's she's saying, "Where's my jersey?" And I had to kind of, I'm like, <laughs> I kind of don't want to just got buy a Washington jersey to be honest yeah. with you. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I'll find you one of my old ones. It'll be a big. You'll, you'll be all right. Yeah, I'm with you. I I can't go out in public unless it's at like a Homer bar and just everybody's rooting on for Washington or you know whoever your team is. Then it's worth it because you can celebrate together. But no, I'm the same way. I've got to be locked up in my room. I mean, ever since the (laughs) Iron Bowl, the uh, kick six, I threw my remote through the wall. Oh my god! Oh my (laughs) god! I was like, I can never leave the house again to watch a game. Um, But yeah, I'm actually going to Florida tomorrow. Um, And I already told the girlfriend, I'm like, Sunday, we're not doing anything <laughs> like just yeah cancel all plans it's football all day um and then we're gonna be dropping a podcast after the game so stay tuned we're gonna be watching football together on sunday like i said we'll drop our reaction our reaction podcast on sunday after the game so until then y'all enjoy some football and we will see y'all sunday For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.